to the House of Learning podcast produced by A Jesus Church College. Join hosts Richard Tamburo and Molly Inman as they chat with other faculty and guests about church, the Bible, theology, and learning the way of Jesus here in Portland. Today, we're taking a look back at MLK and introducing a new team member. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. I'm Richard and I've got newbie, but not that new around here, hmm. but new on staff, Tom. Yes. Hello everyone. So you've been around for quite a while. You were in the college mm-hmm. while we did that. Yeah. And you did the gap year before that. Yes. You've been serving a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like yeah, there's so a I've rich history here. I've been around for, I think it's five or six years now. Um, started to come into Westside when I was a freshman in college. Um, a friend brought me over and then since then I was just like, what can I do to get more plugged in and more plugged in? And one thing led to another and it was an internship and then serving with youth Mm -hmm. and then serving with kids and then hospitality. And then it was the Jesus youth college or Jesus church college. Um, and now I am on staff officially. So yeah. What do we call you? Is it youth? Uh, youth director. Youth director. The yes. Official title. And you've you've done youth stuff for a long time. You did like FCA. Right. You've like you've done lots of things. Yeah. So give us a bit of history. Um, did you arrive at Westside passionate about youth? Is that something God grew more recently? Like, mm-hmm. and, and where does it come from? Yeah, I. It's definitely something that God's um, like woke me up to and and kind of progressively grown in me. Um, when I came to Westside as a freshman in college, I had grown up in the church, um, but I didn't necessarily um, follow Jesus with my whole life, meaning it, w- like the way of Jesus wasn't the center of my life. It was just more of like one of the things I did. Like I, I always came to church or I always said I believed in God if anyone asked, but I wasn't like full-blown um, pursuing his way. Um and so, you, so you felt like, so, because sometimes people are like, oh, are you a real Christian? <clears throat> yeah. And so it's like, no, you had a real faith, like real relationship with Jesus. Right. It was just, it hadn't become the full thing yet. Yes. It hadn't started like permeating my whole mm. life and how I thought about my day-to-day stuff instead of just like where I was going when I died. Um, but as I got plugged in here, I just sensed a different... Um, kind of like spirit, like a different way that the leaders were behaving and especially some of the um, leaders here who were involved with youth. And it was really attractive to me. I didn't really have language to pinpoint what it was about them or their personality or how they acted, but they they had a like source of life that was different than what I had at the time. And I was like, whatever that is, I don't know what it is, but I want it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I in order to do that, I want to be close to these people. Um, and so I started being like, how can I be around you guys more? And what can I do to serve? And um, that's what really led to me getting connected with youth ministry. Um, but, but I also played a lot of sports growing up. And so naturally, in a lot of high school settings, if you're an athlete and you have faith in Jesus, most people want you to be in leadership with like FCA or something yeah. like that, um, which, 
you know, has pros and cons because just because you follow Jesus and you're an athlete doesn't necessarily mean you're a great candidate for leadership. Um, what but, you mean sport doesn't make you <laughs> automatically great? Right. Yeah. No, but, Instagram's been lying to yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be crazy to think that. But um, yeah, so that led to me being put in positions of leadership with FCA and Young Life. Um, and that, that was always around middle school and high school students. Um, so as I started to plug in with Westside and see a youth ministry that, in my opinion, was like thriving and healthy, I was like, oh, wow, these things that I'm seeing and learning, I could take and uh, drop them into the Young Life and FCA communities that I'm a part of. And and so instead of picking one, I just did all three. Mm. <laughs> and there are a few years of like const- like pretty much every night of the week I was like doing something with youth, whether yeah. it was FCA or a small group or Young Life or youth. Um, but it became kind of everything for me. I love the way that, you know, you end up like leading in youth uh, through maybe some unhealthy assumptions. Yeah. But like part of your story is the way that God used that imperfect space to like teach you, grow you and use you, like how God honored that journey. Right. He didn't turn around and be like, no, you're not like, this isn't right. Get out of here. Yeah. Um, But yeah, because that's just so... I mean, uh, and I'm an idealist. So I always want to aim at like yeah. a high bar and, you know, but but the realist that I've, that's grown in me mm-hmm. <laughs> with age is like, yeah, that a lot of the time that's actually how Jesus works. I love that that's right. so clear in your story. Right. I, he, he's definitely been kind to, as I stumble into things or maybe begin something for the wrong reason, um, to teach me and mature me um, so that maybe something I started for the wrong reason or um, for the wrong assumption became the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was able to use and refine and teach me really what it was supposed to be, which is humbling in the process because if we're honest enough to be like, wow, I wasn't on the right track when I stepped into this or what I know now would have like made me totally embarrassed about what I knew then or whatever. Mm. Um, but it gives me humility of like, yeah, God was kind to do that for me. And now in this youth ministry space, how could I see potential in other people um, and kind of like call people up, even if they're not like perfectly ready or every box isn't ticked or whatever. Um, Cause I think a lot of growth comes just in the process. Yeah. Yeah, there's like there's room at the table. Yeah, yeah. I, I was talking to someone about something similar the other day, and um, I'd just been thinking about how the woman who breaks the alabaster jar over and you know, yeah. you know, wipes Jesus's feet with her hair and you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. That's like um, anointing him to be king, which mm. was reserved normally for like a male prophet or priest wow. to anoint. And here you've got like a outcast female prostitute mm-hmm. that God's like, yeah, I, I'm actually going to use you to be the person to do that mm. for my son. And it's just a wow. beautiful picture yeah. of like, she hasn't got all her crap together yet. Yeah. But God's drawing her in yes. and using her along the way. Wow. You know, because yeah. there's part of me, like I have the perfectionist gene in right. me a little bit. Yeah. Um, Same. Of like always preparing, never ready, you know. Mm-hmm. 
And so like yeah. that that's such a beautiful for sure. reminder. For sure. To just do it. Like just yeah, see what Jesus wants to do today. Right. And the way that he like honored and loved that woman um probably took her into a place that would have taken um just like a lot of time um to like it propelled her forward in a way that like she could have never imagined or hoped for um like it's it's like it like speeds the journey up when he's able to be like because i think she probably would have disqualified herself from ever being worthy of that position or maybe seen like a high priest or oh yeah and been like oh never, everyone else would yeah disqualified her right yeah right never me yeah. um but jesus was so sweet to and kind to be like not only am i gonna let you do this to me i'm gonna like honor you love you and then make sure everybody forever like remembers Mm -hmm. this story yeah it's powerful well let's do like some more getting to know you um yeah so recently married yes so i'll ask you how that is yeah it's great hopefully it's all good (laughs) it's good um you're also you're still like doing college classes to get your bible degree right and and doing this full time so you're a lunatic Uh so (laughs) when when you see tom around church you should just make sure he's okay yeah and well fed and yeah well rested (laughs) it actually feels less than what i was doing like the previous years i feel like you're doing about six different jobs weren't you? for some reason i just (laughs) think i can take on more than i more than i can so uh one day i'll just have one job (laughs) well do you know what that's the dream but it never quite works yeah yeah but that's okay right um okay i'll ask you a silly question then a sensible question yeah um Oh, this is my favorite silly question. What do you think is the largest animal you could single-handedly duct tape to a lamppost? <laughs> wow. This but, is a measure of, <laughs> of your strength, largest your perseverance, your humility, <laughs> your realism. Wow. Largest animal I could duct tape to a light pole. Yeah. Um, if you go for duck, I'm going to be disappointed. If you go for buffalo, I'm not going to believe you. Yeah. No way. Um, or maybe you go strategic, like maybe there's some way to like lasso a giraffe that's yeah. easier. I I think I could get a really big dog because I could get a treat and... Oh, so you'd go bribery. I, I could bribe the dog okay. right by the light pole, grab its collar and duct tape it. But, oh, wait, no, I could do a horse for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I could get oats. Horses love oats. I would bring the horse over to the pole, put the bridle around the horse while it's eating the oats, and start the duct tape process. Okay. That's that's brave and bold. Because horses are pretty cheeky. (laughs) They're strong. They are. I would definitely not get behind the horse while I'm (laughs) duct taping it to the pole. (laughs) Well, let me ask you the sensible question. So, you know, it's the new year. Um, It's a new youth team for Westside. Because um, we've sent Keithan off. Yes. Um, you stand at the beginning of a new series. Um, and I'm sure you could talk for hours on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's some of the stuff where you're like, yeah, I'm actually, this is what I'm excited for now, for the season ahead, for mm-hmm. a Jesus youth. Mm. Yeah. There's so many things. Um, I think just an overall sense that we've been getting as youth team and as we collaborate with youth leaders around Portland and around um, the world is that I think 
people are realizing that um, the statistics are showing the church in decline, especially in um, the Western world, primarily in the Western world, and especially for Gen Z. And I think there's this collective sense that youth ministry has in the past been seen as like a stepping stone to get to Sunday and kind of like an extended it can be seen as like an extended form of entertainment. Like send your, send a kid there and make sure they have fun and get to do cool things that are like safe. Um, and then, then once they get to Sunday church or once they grow up a little bit, they'll start like mm-hmm. really getting discipled. Um, and that's obviously not the case for everyone. And, and it hasn't been the case for Westside, but I think we're just seeing like we, we must treat, youth as the church like we need to treat them the same way we go into preparing for a sunday the same way we disciple adults who are fully grown and mature um is how we need to be thinking about this generation and so just calling our youth up and like of course it's fun and it's different not like a youth night looks identical to what would be a sunday but i think people I wonder how people react, though, you know, if we started doing dance parties on Sundays as well as everything else. Right. Yeah, I think... Maybe some people would be into it. I I would imagine so. Um, Yeah, but I think, like, there's just so much potential in young people, and they're oftentimes just, like, way more capable and ready to receive some of these uh, concepts and ideas and truths than people think they are um so when we call our young people into prayer culture and um and learning about like the scriptures in depth and the the way of jesus in their day-to-day life like they're responding in a really inspiring way Mm. and in some ways just leading even the like stepping um foot for the church and saying like these things are possible and Um, we're ready to go into them, which is really exciting. It just gives me a lot of hope for this generation and like a lot of zeal for stepping into youth ministry, Mm -hmm. not seeing it as, okay, I'll be here for a second and then I can get somewhere that uh, is of more significance, but Mm -hmm. being like, this is significant. Like this is the most significant thing I could be doing right now. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know you can kind of sense being at the tipping point between two types of being a Christian. Yeah. In, especially in America, but elsewhere in the West as well. Yeah. We've seen it in Europe a little bit earlier. Yeah, but, right. Um, yeah, the form of Christian where it's like, yeah, I kind of resonate with that. That's culturally authoritative for me. Things like that yeah. is, is on the coattails of some work like moves of the spirit in the past Mm -hmm. whereas now if like people are going to step into jesus it's going to be a move of the spirit right here right now right and actually heritage is a good thing yeah um so it it doesn't mean that the previous thing is just totally devalued but there is something really exciting about i don't know almost like nail biting like jesus just we we can't manufacture anything here jesus has to show up and transform lives yes um and it's yeah it's really dynamic really exciting yeah especially for young people yeah in the midst of questions about who they are what they're here for i mean yeah we've been learning with gen z specifically that um they sniff out like authenticity 
like crazy. So, um, yeah, you just can't fake it. And they have a really high, um, like radar for when someone's being authentic and sharing from something they really believe in and when they're just saying the right things. Yeah. And that's challenged our leadership to be like, you know, we have to embody, of course, first, like what we're going to, um, like preach or, or teach to our students. Um, but we have to have like a really high value for authenticity and say things that are true and things that we like fully believe in. Um, and when we do that and then create opportunities for them to encounter God in the process, the response is like overwhelmingly positive yeah. and powerful when, when they're like, wow, this is like real mm-hmm. in the midst of a world where a lot of things are, fake and everyone has their their own take on something um there's like there's a really sweet thing that's happening um and students are dialing in and and encountering god in really powerful ways and that's such a human and that's every generation is like it's got its own journey but it's trying to figure out what's real yeah like everyone wants to be part of something that's real it's interesting as like what you're saying in the midst of like deconstruction movements and oh, this person says they used to be a Christian, but they just had it with the church because um, they just don't care about racial justice or um, the climate crisis or, you know. And it's really easy, I think, for some Christians sometimes to say, oh, they're just influenced by their culture. They they want another gospel, a gospel of like Mm -hmm. social reformation Mm -hmm. and climate change reformation. And, you know, um, and, and... Sure, there may be some people like that. For sure. But I think the vast majority of people I know going through that process is more of a, no, no, I'm, I, I don't want to associate with that group because they call themselves Christians. But when I tr- really tried to get to grips with like the reality of the gospel and of what Jesus stood for, um, the fact that they don't stand for some of these things Doesn't makes make it seem sense. an unauthentic expression of mm-hmm. Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um it's just interesting. The yeah. narrative is being spun as like, yeah, deconstructionists want to, um, they want to, I don't know. Some people are, oh yeah, they just want to take like cherry pick bits of Christianity, stop calling it Christianity and go do their own thing. Right. Whereas I think many of them would say actually from their point of view, the narrative is like, yeah. man, this thing we are calling Christianity doesn't square up. Right. Um, and uh, what I really want is that will the real Jesus please stand up? Yes, you know, hundred percent. Yeah, and yeah, it's so well said, and 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 inspiring. It's calling us up to be like, examine your life, look at your values, look at the Jesus that we're following and teaching about. Like how how does he align with the the questions that are most pertinent to this cultural moment and in his fullness, Jesus like is the way in, in every way. Like he, he's the one who cares most deeply about all of these things. Like social justice was invented by Jesus in a lot of ways. He, he was the first one to care about people on the margins and treat, like he treats the earth like it matters. He's the creator. Um, and so I think when we're able to not look at people who are deconstructing their faith or challenging Christian ideas with like cynicism and judgment, but we're able to be like, no, let's actually pinpoint the parts of your heart that are aching for God and then just put them in the right place. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but but on the side of leadership, that calls us up to be like, we better make sure that we're on the right track here. And we know um, God is somebody who's holistic and integrated with like real life and the problems of the world yeah. today. Yeah, that, that reminds me. It's a phrase, I can't remember where I learned it. It was a book years and years ago. But like uh, Christians ought to be able to ask penetrating questions and expect satisfying answers. Yes. Like that's our apologetic is like right. we're, we're people who don't need to be scared of any question. No. Not because we're proud and we we'll always have the answer. Yeah. But we we have a heritage of like when we really seek the answer, like there's often a way, yeah. you know, there's a way forward. Yeah. We don't run into a brick wall. Right. It's like, yeah, actually this Bible thing, it's like it's contradictory yeah. or it's not right or it doesn't seem good or God's yeah. way doesn't. Normally we uncover there's something we've missed or yeah. yes. or we'd misread it before. Right. Or, yeah, and I like think that. that's so inspiring for young people to hear. Um, and inspiring for me, it's like, like I want that. I want to follow someone where I can ask the most penetrating questions and come up with really good responses and answers. And I think um, for whatever reason, people maybe have who have followed Jesus for years um, think that they have to get defensive or avoid hard things mm-hmm. out of fear or whatever the reasons are. Some of them may have some legitimacy, but if we're able to get that narrative out of our minds and realize and be reminded who Jesus is and how holistic and powerful he is, we can like freely and willingly and openly bring people into conversations with those p- questions that are most penetrating and trust that on the other end Jesus will make himself made known. Yeah, and I think that's part of um yeah, this would be interesting actually because you know I'm a generation apart from you, you know, we're different enough in age, yep. but then you're working with people younger than you as well. Right. Uh, I would say part of my experience of like encountering Jesus and the process of falling in love with him and being drawn into life with him was like a journey of a, like one light bulb going over here with like, oh, Jesus got an answer to that. Mm. Oh, Jesus can work there. Yeah. And it just it, it inspired that like the, the discovery inspires faith to go like wonder if he's got something in the next area in the mm. next step mm. and so it is that kind of like the discovery invites you onto the journey of exploration um yeah and it and it does feel like a journey of discovery rather than you know i wasn't so much churched growing up right so it wasn't like a journey of an invitation to conform to my parents idea of christianity or something like that yeah. you know yeah um and it, yeah, it's just interesting. Like there was freedom for it to be real discovery mm. as well. Wow. Um, yeah, but I wonder what that's, that's like so for good. like you growing up in the church. Yeah. A little bit different. But right. then like the students you work with, like, yeah. you know, that discovery, does it generate appetite the way that my experience was, do you think? Yeah. I think like even what you're describing that, like um, that, that discovery process is is like the desire of probably most every generation's heart. I feel like thinking about my story, um, it was that discovery, like what's on the next page, like 
what more is on offer, um, like one after another kind of mind blown, either in little or really big ways that really compelled me to the way and the life of Jesus. And then hearing his promises and seeing what he had to say about like life, um, was like, wow, like what, like, what could that be? Um, it lit my imagination on fire and mm, compe- that's a good phrase. Yeah. And it compelled me to follow him. But I but I do know that growing up in the church, as much as my parents um may have tried to keep that like imagination or creativity alive in me, it's just I think it's it can be easy to just go to so many church things and gatherings and youth groups and and Sunday services and potlucks and all these things mm-hmm. one after another and not just switch into a mode as a young person where you just know the right answer you kind of know what everyone's searching for mm-hmm. uh, for you to say and you say those things and then you can like get off with a check mark um so i i know most of my young like young teen and young adult life was spent knowing what answers I had to say in certain areas and certain circles and then being able to do whatever I want um, all the rest of the time. And it wasn't until I started that discovery and my imagination was aroused that I started to actually follow Jesus with my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's, It's interesting, like me sitting here as a parent as well. Yeah. It's like, some of those other things, they build the heritage that it doesn't off, it doesn't always create the spark of real encounter with Jesus. Um, but when the when the, the, the touch paper gets lit, you know, and that spark mm-hmm. turns into a fire, so that heritage can then become fuel for the journey, right? As well, yeah. You know, so it's not. No, the heritage is not in vain for yeah. sure. It's like, and I think, because it makes me think of like you know, teach a while a child, yeah, you know the way it should go, yeah, and, you know, right for sure. And like I, I, I had to have that moment where my paper was lit on fire and I started to discover on my own and and similar to what you're saying in your experience, but because I had theology and faith and experience for my whole existence. I was able to like answer certain questions or work through some like problems of suffering or some realities of life in a more maybe theological way Mm -hmm. than some new believers who get lit on fire, but then get hit with the reality of life in a painful or hard or challenging way. They can be more quick to abandon ship or turn course or, or then you're con- trying to convince someone, no, 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 this is part of it. Like you didn't understand when you were having your radical encounter. Um, so, yeah, of course, like I'm, I'm really grateful for the heritage that I had. But I think at some point on the journey, um, there needs to be that like making your faith your own, lighting the torch, what like uh, igniting the flame, whatever the mm-hmm. analogy is. I think part of that has to happen. Um, with each person. Yeah, yeah. Well, talking yeah. of living the real version, will the real Jesus turn yeah. up uh, thing? Because uh, we were chatting before. Um, it's MLK Day this yes. week. Um, 
podcast gets released at the end of the week, so mm-hmm. we kind of missed the boat a little bit, but that's okay. Um, but I was I was just talking to Tom, like there's something that just has been bugging me, and um, I I was just you know just reflecting a little bit. Um, you know, there's lots of uh, like MLK provocative things and like social media things like that. So lots to think, you know, lots of opportunities to to think. Um, but something I, I hadn't really cottoned on to before in the US was like, oh, for lots of people, this is a, like a day of service. And I kind of connect the idea of like MLK's heritage and message and influence and impact and things like that with, oh, we ought to serve. And so just the amount of people, and, and I mean Christians, because mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a bigger cultural phenomenon than just some Christians. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, this is a day to like go volunteer somewhere or you know, go give a bit of yourself away. Mm. Um, and it was, re- it was really interesting because there was uh, actually someone in the UK talking about um, civic mindedness. Mm. It's just that idea of um, making a decision where the metrics you run it through are how does it affect my community, mm. not how does it affect me, um, which Martin Luther King was a, a great example yeah. of like civic mindedness in action. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that other centeredness and, you know, and you start to use those words and you think, oh, it sounds a lot like Jesus yeah. to shape stuff, right? right. But, but what's bugging me, and and maybe so I mean we'll chat about this, but I guess the part of the invitation as well is like Tom, you're the cultural insider and I'm the outsider. <laughs> like, what do you see of this? Like, you know, what do you make of it? But I guess the thing that bugs me is like, you know, people can kind of get enough of MLK to be like, oh, serving is important. Like some sort of civic mindedness is important. Mm. And of all people, Christians ought to get this. Mm-hmm. Like who will gain, like, who will save their life? The one who loses it. Mm. Not the one who seeks to gain more, but the one who tries to give away more. Mm. Um, and, you know, that we're we're invited into a life that's like foxes have holes, the birds have nests, mm-hmm. you know. But if you're one of my disciples, then your life, the shape of your life is going to be cruciform. Right. You cannot seek to follow Jesus and seek comfort. Mm-hmm. You'll have moments of comfort. Jesus may bless you with comfortable things, but you cannot make that a priority in your life and follow Jesus. Your, right. your values, there will be cognitive dissonance yeah. and heart dissonance. Right. Um, so like of all people... And, and just running into like so many people trying to co-opt MLK quotes and things into like, yeah. Um, and, and I guess there's like two versions of it. One is like, no, it's great to serve and volunteer a little bit out of your abundance. Mm-hmm. You know, like give in a way that doesn't actually cost you anything. Mm-hmm. You know, give give your time, effort, energy in a way that, you know, if if you're not going to notice it, then it's okay to give it. Right. And I'm saying that in a deliberately provocative way. And I know people don't think that way, yeah. but they sure do act that way. And you can tell it because so many conversations that ought to be civic-minded, mm-hmm. you know, about uh, the role of the church in the community, about public policy. I mean, Christians weighing in on all sorts of political, social issues. Mm-hmm. The landscape is dominated by a group of Christians 
who shout loud about needing to protect things and keep things and preserve things. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just, I'm just like, how, like those two things are polar opposites, right? Like a cruciform life and a life that's dominated by, you know, how, you know, my, my prime drive ought to be to, to get more mm-hmm. and be able to protect what I have, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and, and it just is so interesting how mm-hmm. that as a political social right mm-hmm. became a Christian right. Right. You know, confusing. So, yeah. So I'm just yeah. looking at culture. Right. Right. And yeah. Because MLK Day, I mean, we're aware of it in the UK, but it's not like a holiday. Yeah. You know, so we're aware of MLK, but maybe not MLK Day. Yeah. So, you know, being in America, looking at it with like different eyes. Yeah. You know, I, I'm like, this is such a confusing day. Right. Me. This is such a confusing day. Yeah. Are you confused? Tom? Yeah. I, I think, <laughs> um, I think it confusing is the word that, I come to when I'm thinking about issues like this more and more. Um, And I think even what you're kind of like getting at is it's not just MLK Day. It's more of just the way of um, America intertwined and enmeshed with the way of Jesus and the church in America and how many American values and even like civic national values have been adopted and then put onto church values or Christian values in America. And it's become so connected that it's, it's hard to pull one apart from the other Mm. or to distinguish, well, wait a minute, what, what there is an American cultural value and what there is a Christian Jesus value and it's hard to pull uh, them apart from each other if you're looking at the actual like life of the people in America who are Christians. Um, but when you start looking at Jesus and the scriptures, it's not hard to pull apart. Mm-hmm. Like it's very clear how Jesus thought and interacted. Even the scriptures you're naming, the, he was never about comfort or upward mobility. Um, or security, those were just things that Jesus was like, those aren't part of my life here. Like here I have a mission and it's shaped by sacrifice and the cross, which is cruciform, self-giving love. And then we look at Martin Luther King and he who was living in America in this enmeshed culture where comfort and upward mobility were... um, the main the main goal he embodied the things of Christ and he lived a life of sacrifice and self-giving love he he looked right at Jesus he knew the scriptures he literally was a pastor um and he embodied them like to the T um in really courageous and admirable ways that we praise but also really hard ways where he suffered constantly. I I was watching the um, movie Selma the other night, and there's just this scene where um, Martin Luther's with his wife in their house, and um, there's just like hostility in the air because of the sorrow 
of the reality that is his life. He he has children and a wife at home, and they would love for him to just be attentive, present, comfortable. They would love to not have any fear of danger or all the things. They they would love um, to have those things in their family, um, but they're sitting in this tension of like they know that there's this other thing that they're being called to. Yeah. And there's something, I mean, we talk about young people, genuineness, authenticity, like, is yeah. it real? Like, it would be easy if you didn't know the history well to be like, yeah, here was a guy who wanted to advocate for people who had, were marginalized, oppressed, excluded, yeah. and he was included. So what he really was driven by is he wanted more for himself. Um, but he, he did want to advocate for this group of people. But self didn't seem to enter into it because he went about it in a way that he suffered and gave of himself for the sake of others. Yes. And it's just such a mark of like, does someone get the Jesus, does someone get this Jesus thing? Yeah. Like when, like the Bible says, count it all joy when you suffer in various ways, you know? Yeah. Um, And he had such a beautiful way of, I don't know, owning the suffering without um, failing to call it what it was and say, yeah. this is a bad thing. Right. But to step into it willingly. Yeah. And it, it just strikes me again, like the irony, like you can have one group of people who are desperately insecure and feel like they need to gain and like you say, be upward, be mobile, be mm-hmm. secure. Like they're fighting for security. Yeah. And that fight for security can make you insular and right. can inhibit your ability to, to give. Yeah, and to care about others in front of yourself, right? Um, uh, you know, but and because you you said a sentence and you were like, you know, we don't have security, and I know what you meant, but in a way, we do. We're the most secure yeah. people, right? Right. And it, but if we get that security, if we understand the security we have in Christ, then the world, the worldly version of security, this temporary, like in this yeah. little blink of an eye, right, that's our right. mission yes. on earth. It frees us, like that security yeah. frees us. And it's so ironic that it's so often it's the people who are persecuted, suffering, oppressed mm-hmm. that understand security. Like we've got so much to learn from mm. groups of people who are like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. and it's, but it's a tragic irony because the people who are in a position to do the most to give of themselves to help others right. are often the ones who are inhibited the most by insecurity yes and get it the least yeah. you know right so yeah yeah it it's like it's really true and it's hard that's like one of the most challenging things when i look at the life of martin luther king jr and um just see him embodying the real things of the way of jesus the way like the way of cruciform life that we've been called to um and they're challenging because I look at my life and and the comfort and like so-called security that I do have and I'm challenged by it and not challenged in the way that like if you have any of those things in your life it's a bad thing but what is my relationship with those things like mm, that's and a good way of saying do it. I that are my valuing those things 
more like am I valuing my own safety or the safety of my family or my financial security more than I'm valuing um, opening myself up to be someone who gives out of abundance and sacrifices willingly and embraces suffering because I believe in Jesus and the things that he's invited me into. I think Martin Luther had to keep like reminding of him of the himself of those things constantly. Mm -hmm. Like he would be in a moment of choice where he could go, he could see really clearly I could choose the more comfortable way here or I could choose the harder narrow path. Um, that's the right path. And he would like have to sing hymns or bring in community or just recite scripture. Like it was, it was like he was past the point of himself being able to convince himself of anything. He had to just be reminded of the promises of God and yeah. hold on to those things kind of for dear life and yeah. be like, yeah, this has to be reality over the alternative reality that's in yeah. my face. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing we can all learn from, you know, we're, because he was a great like social revolutionary uh, activist, theologian, pastor, yeah. like so many sides to him. Um, but we're, you know, we're not all called to be a theologian or we might not all call, be called to be a political activist. Or, right. But he also embodied, there's just something at the core of following Jesus that he lived out mm -hmm. in, in such a provocative, radical way that that, can be so inspiring yeah like that narrow path living you're talking yeah. about right yeah yeah i think like it's it's ironic that the world and not just the christian world but the world and especially america celebrates the life and story of martin luther king at, in such high regard um and just in consensus like everyone's like yes that is the life that we must celebrate and honor um when martin luther king jr was just mimicking and embodying the life that he saw Jesus live. And I think it's like, wow, like the world looks at that life and considers it of highest honor and, mm -hmm. and praise like the way of sacrifice is the ultimate way. And Martin Luther King was looking at Jesus and being like, what you did is showing me how to live. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something really powerful there. Yeah. It reminded me, um, like, one of my favorite songs that if you listen to the podcast for a while, I've probably mentioned it before because it's a favorite song, but it's, uh, it's like, really old. I think Matt Redman won back from when I used to lead worship. It's uh, called Show Me the Way of the Cross. Mm. And it's got this line, uh, like, I've crafted myself a more comfortable cross. It's like a song of repentance. Mm. But I love that in the chorus it has, like, some things have to die. Mm. And, like, that just, it cuts against the sort of American dream version of life yeah. which is like you can have it all yeah like i want to follow you wholeheartedly jesus and all these other things yeah and it's just a song that's just an acknowledgement of like uh yeah show me what needs to die mm. um yeah radical wow message. i feel like that's even a good way to like a practical takeaway for those listening and, and us in the room like you know what what needs to die like what are the as we take a moment to reflect on our life, what what is there that we're holding on to because we 
have such high regard for comfort and security? Um, and what is the invitation for that God saying, like, trust me with this, sacrifice this thing? Um, and I think, like, as as we're faithful to continually do that, we go deeper and deeper into the kingdom of God, and yeah. and we see it come on earth as it is in heaven. And that's a good line to be finishing on. Yeah. <laughs> that's enough today. Oh, one more thing, though. Yeah. So that's MLK chat done. Done. Uh, I am going to give a shout-out, though. So... On the 24th, so that's in about a week's time, Monday evening, we are going to start a gender and ministry class. So if you've listened to the podcast this long, you're somewhat of a Bible nerd that likes the Bible. And our job is just basically going to be like, what are the bits of the Bible that ought to be on the table when we try and navigate these conversations about like male and female and roles, offices, giftedness, things like that in the church. We'll uh, uh, look at questions like, um, you know, are female leaders in the Bible always the exception when a man won't lead? Is a woman's place really just in the home? Mm. All that jazz, all the good stuff. And so excited to do that. uh, Molly and I are going to be doing it. Um, She couldn't be on the podcast today because she's too busy being pregnant. Um, <laughs> I can't remember exactly what she had to go and do, but something pregnancy related. But yeah, we're going to be doing that class. So you're invited. You don't need to register. You don't need to do anything. It'll be Monday nights. You can check out the events pages on the church website, find out a little bit more. Um, but yeah, otherwise, be inspired by MLK. Go live the narrow path. Yes. Thanks for listening to this episode of the House of Learning podcast. This podcast is produced by A Jesus Church College, based at Westside A Jesus Church in Portland, Oregon. AJC College trains and mobilizes the next generation of kingdom leaders through an accredited four-year degree in biblical studies with an emphasis on leadership and formation. We combine classroom learning with mentoring and ministry apprenticeship for a third of the cost of traditional college. To find out more, Go to ajccollege.org or follow us on Instagram to find out if this is where God could be calling you to explore your calling. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share it with someone. And if you have a question you'd like us to chat about, please let us know. You can email us at podcast at ajccollege.org. If you can, send us a 20-second audio recording saying who you are and where you're from along with your question, and we'd love to include it in a future episode.